0: Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. It seems uh, to me that within uh, academic circles and the sort of rise of secularism, one of the uh, main objections that uh, people have towards uh, Christianity relates to the seventh commandment, not to commit adultery, and also the 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 Christian values of uh, morality, of um, abstaining from um, sex before marriage and having one um, marriage or sexual partner for for life. Um, this seems to sort of raise the ire of uh, people, and and of course we've noticed that since the the mid nineteen sixties, there's been a a massive sort of um sexual liberation um ha- has has occurred. Uh matter of fact I can remember being at university and uh in the in the sixties and I was not a, a practicing Christian. We you know we didn't go to church although I I had chosen to live a you know a a moral life and I had a, a number of friends uh, we were all uh, top students, doing really well in our, our studies. And I can remember as we uh, often sat and had talks um, in the uh, lunchroom or after, after studies of an evening, in the late 60s, we noticed uh, a change in society, particularly in the, in the way um, in advertising, in um, programs on television. And so here, here we were, as just not not as 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 Christians as such. Although I think a couple of my friends did um, go to to church, but I certainly didn't go to church. And I remember thinking at the time, one of the things that has been lost is a certain sweetness in in society. And so there was, a, I, I guess, maybe a better term now would be sort of innocence. There was sort of a an innocence was was lost, and associated with that loss of innocence, I don't know. There were there were certainly negative vibes that I uh, that we we actually talked about. We we felt that there was something about it that wasn't as good. And so here we were, as as young people, as um, but recognizing that we thought that society was going the wrong way. And yet we weren't Christians. Um, of course, at the other time, there was, you know, the hippie movement and all this um, uh, talk um, about, you know, sexual liberation and, and there were, you know, many uh, experiments were, were tried at that time revolving around promiscuity. And, of course, we – I mean, that's sort of 50 years ago now. <laughs> and so when I think about it now, we have – We've reached the situation today where there's enormous pressure on on uh, young people to engage in, um, in just, you know, uh, sexual activities um, as a result of, you know, just being friends with people and, and socialising and these sort of things. But uh, Paul, um, for example, writes in uh, Colossians um, chapter 3, He writes, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And it goes verse four, um, or verse five rather, put to death therefore what is earthly in you. And the first one he lists is fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And so um it's interesting, of course, he goes on about this, and of course it, it's a warning that on account of these the wrath of God is coming. And so here we have the this, you know, very clear warning that um is is there and, and as I said, the first one that is listed is, is fornication. And it seems to me that a few movies that I've seen that it seems to have a movie about this couple you know, they meet and then one of the first things they do is they, they go off and they spend the, the night together and, and have um, you know an intimate relationship, something that really should be preserved uh, from the Bible perspective. For one person for life in the special relationship of marriage and and so this is you know being laughed at at the present time these people at whole you know holding to biblical mores is considered old-fashioned and this sort of thing and of course associated with this in recent times we've then had all these variations of gender fluidity and you know um, laws being passed where uh, enabling people to decide to uh, change the uh, sex on their birth certificate and this sort of thing just because they feel they're of a different sex. And to me, um, as I, I thought, i have been aware of this for a number of years and I thought, why aren't, you know, Christian universities and this sort of thing doing, doing research and, and looking at the benefits of um, people practising sexual abstinence before they get married and then monogamy after they get married um, for life. You know, where where are the studies? And some studies I have seen done by, you know, secular uh, surveys, a uh, couple that I came across and, and they would always have, um, they would always start off uh, doing some survey and they'd have a number of sexual partners, two or less. They never had one where it was just one sexual partner. And so that obscure made it very difficult, for example, uh, when I was doing some research in this area to analyze, well, hang on, what about the people who do marry as virgins and, and do the right thing about the Bible? What What happens there? Well, just recently I came across a very interesting article, uh, research article. It was commentary on some research that was done back in 1934 uh, by a scholar, a researcher who taught at the University of Oxford and taught at um, Cambridge University. And his his surname was um, Unwin, J.D. Unwin, He was a a social anthropologist, J.D. Unwin, U-N-W-I-N. Now, this is very interesting. His uh, book was called Sex and Culture, and um, you can look that up, Google it. um, There are sort of free copies actually available at different sites on the the Internet. And the article I read was... um, by Kirk Dirksen, and it was called Why Sexual Morality May Be Far More Important Than You Ever Thought. And he he talks about the research and summarizes actually in a in a very convenient way, uh, Unwin's book, because Unwin's book's over six hundred pages. You <laughs> it's a, it's a quite a big book. And um, he uh, was not a, um, coming from a Christian perspective. He was coming from a rationalist perspective. He was very much a, a scientist. He was not a religious man. But what he found was some amazing stuff. Now, what Alwyn did was he studied data from 86 societies and civilizations to see if there was a relationship between sexual freedom and the flourishing of cultures. So this is a really fascinating study. So uh, as I said, he was an academic that uh, worked at both Oxford and Cambridge Universities, a social anthropologist, and he examined this data from 86 societies and civilizations to see if there was a relationship between sexual freedom and flourishing cultures. And the thing is that that book was written back in the 1930s before the sexual revolution of the late 1960s. And so it was, you know, un- uninfluenced by, by this. Now, what he found was that there were four great patterns of, of human culture and he looked at how these particular types of cultures related to the natural world and so he, um, he, he, he summarised them as four different types, zoistic, and so these were cultures that were entirely self-focused on day-to-day life, They're they're just wants and needs, um, and they didn't have any understanding of, of nature. They didn't look to how, you know, nature worked or science or this sort of thing. They were, and essentially they were dead cultures. They were just based on, you know, survival in a sense. Then he looked at monistic. He had another group which he called monistic. And these uh, acquired superstitions of belief um, and relating to special treatment of the dead to cope with the natural world. And then there were deistic cultures. They attributed powers to nature or to a god or gods. They were deistic cultures. And then there were rationalistic cultures, and they used rational thinking to understand nature and make day-to-day decisions. So, these were the types of essentially cultures that he saw. But then he looked at into um, he, he then looked at so how these people related to uh, the world they they lived in, how they viewed you know nature and what was happening around them in the world in in those four types of areas. Then the other uh, aspect that he looked at to compare and to correlate and look at relationships were the degrees of sexual restraint. And he divided these into two major categories, two logical categories. What happened before people were married? and what happened after they were married. So prenuptial and postnuptial ca- categories. Now, in the prenuptial categories, he gave, put the, had three classifications. There were one where there was complete sexual freedom, no prenuptial restraints whatsoever, which is sort of like what's been adopted in a, you know, a, 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 Western, a lot of Western societies today, unfortunately. Then he's got, uh, number one was a regular or occasional restraint. Um, In other words, sometimes there were special times when you abstained from uh, sexual relationships before marriage. And then the third one was strict chastity, remaining a virgin until married, which is the biblical position, of course. So he looked at those three categories. And this is really good because he actually studied that category of strict chastity then there were five post nu- nuptial categories and one was modified monogamy and that is where you have one spouse at a time uh, but associated association could be terminated at any time and that's essentially what we have um uh, in in australia at least um from uh, you know the, uh, the late 1970s when there was no fault divorce was introduced so one means is people They get married and while they're married, they're monogamous, but then they can end that at any time and have divorce. And that's the situation we're in now. Then another group was modified polygamy. So essentially in that group, men can have more than one wife, but the wife is free to leave her husband. Uh, Absolute monogamy, only one spouse is permitted for life or until death in some cultures. And so that's, again, the biblical position, absolute monogamy, one spouse for life. Then, of course, there was absolute polygamy. Men can have more than one wife, but wives must confine their sexual qualities or activity to their husband for the whole of their lives. And we know, of course, that there are cultures today, uh, particularly Muslim cultures, that uh, practice uh, that Particular aspect. So what he did was he looked at these combinations of where people, their sexual behavior fell into one of those categories. And then what uh, happened to those cultures? How did that affect that culture overall? So this was uh, pretty significant. And so um, he looked at the effect of sexual constraints. So What he found was increased sexual constraints, either before or uh, after marriage, always led to increasing flourishing of of culture. In other words, the cultures that practised the most sexual restraint flourished the most. Conversely, increased sexual freedom always led to the collapse of a culture three generations later. Now, this is a really, really significant finding. And this was across, as I said, he studied 86 different cultures looking at those parameters. And in, in effect, that was the bottom summary. The more sexual restraints that we have, so the, and of course the best sexual restraint was um, complete chastity prior to marriage and then monogamy after um, marriage. And that led to the most flourishing of cultures and the strongest cultures. And when um, increased sexual freedom always led to the collapse of the the culture, interesting, in three generations later. And that's where he goes on, the highest flourishing of culture, and uh, went on to say, the most powerful combination was prenuptial chastity coupled with absolute monogamy. And that led to rationalist cultures that retained this combination for at least three generations, exceeded all other cultures in every area, including literature, art, science, furniture architecture, engineering and agriculture. But he said only three out of the 86 cultures studied ever attained this level. But that is really fascinating support for the biblical position, really, really powerful scientific support for the biblical position because the, what the... Um, you know these sort of liberal academics are arguing and saying well hang on you know this leads you know this sexual freedom gives people more happiness you know and they're enjoying themselves they're enjoying pleasure and all this sort of thing well hang on that's what they're saying that's the message that they're telling that's the message that Hollywood is giving young people in the films but what the research is saying well hang on no Actual sexual abstinence leads to a flourishing and better long-term happiness and better satisfaction in life. This is a really, really powerful scientific finding here and that's why I'll read it again, that um, the highest flourishing of culture occurred when the most powerful combination was prenuptial chastity coupled with absolute monogamy. And the rationalist cultures that retained this combination for at least three generations exceeded all other cultures in every area, including literature, art, science, furniture, architecture, engineering and agriculture. He then went on and pointed out that the effect of abandoning prenuptial chastity uh, was from when strict prenuptial chastity was no longer the norm, absolute monogamy, deism and rational thinking also disappeared within three generations. And this was very interesting. It included rational thinking disappearing. And lately, as we have seen, some of the statements that are coming out with regard to gender fluidity, as a scientist, I think, where has rationality gone? You know, how can someone who has the physical anatomy of a woman say, well, from now on, I'm a man and vice versa? You know, it's and yet and the law is saying, yes, okay, you can do that. uh, And it becomes a legal document. And we have all sorts of, you know, crazy um, intermediate things like this happening. Um, The other extreme of that, of course, was that total sexual freedom, if total sexual freedom was embraced by a culture, that culture collapsed within three generations to the lowest state of flourishing, which uh, Umwin describes as inert or a dead level of conception and was characterised by people who have little interest in much else other than their own wants and needs. Now I thought that was a very, very interesting finding. So these cultures that practised total sexual freedom ended up being characterised by people who have little interest in much else other than their own wants and needs. And at this level, the culture is usually conquered or taken over by another culture, with greater social energy. You know, um, I thought as very interesting. as uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, Paul writes, so just reading from verse uh, 1 there, but understand this. So he's writing and explaining this to, to Timothy, and this under inspiration from God, that in the last days there will come times of stress, for men will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable, slanderous, profligates, fierce, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of religion but denying the power of it. And this is um, really, really interesting that um, that's the research that Umwin and uh, his co-author found at the time was that um, people then have little interest other than their own wants and needs. In other words, they tend to become very selfish. And I think, well, really, that's what we're observing in the world today. It's uh, quite um, incredible. But the interesting thing is, of course, that Uh, Unwin wrote that, published the book back in the mid-1930s, and um, we can see that um, his predictions predict what's happening in our own culture. Um, Uh, Unwin wrote, and this is quoting from Unwin's book himself, the history of these societies, talking about the societies that put aside sexual uh, restraint, in other words, say, abandoned sexual, put aside sexual restraint, is what he wrote. The history of these societies consists of a series of monotonous repetitions and it is difficult to decide which aspect of the story is more significant. The lamentable lack of original thought which in each case reformers despise all the amazing uh, alacrity in which after a period of intense compulsory continence the human organism seizes the earliest opportunity to satisfy its innate desires in a direct or perverted manner. And so um, when we look at our own sexual revolution of having your cake and eating it too, Unwin found that when penuptial uh, chastity was abandoned, absolute monogamy, deism and rational thinking disappeared within three uh, cultures. And it's really interesting that as predicted, absolute monogamy has already been replaced in um, our Western cultures with modified monogamy. Um, and um, we, we saw that with the liberation of divorce laws. The other thing is, and this, this is very interesting, that deism or belief in God is rapidly declining exactly as predicted Prior to the 1960s, a combination of rationalism and belief in God was the norm for mainstream culture. Not only, as, and this is one of the commentators writing here, comment, commenting on Unwin's work, not only has belief in God greatly de- decreased since the 1960s, since this sexual revolution, exactly as um, Unwin predicted, but there's been a trend to remove the concept of God from government the education system and the public forum. And those who still believe in God sense a strong societal pressure to keep deistic beliefs private. In its place is a surprising rise of superstition. And that's exactly what Ulman had predicted. Matter of fact, there's a couple of research papers that have come out uh, supporting that. Um, for example, Stuart Vise Uh, wrote a paper, Why Are Millennials Turning to Astrology? And he published that in Skeptical Inquirer in 2018. So that's a paper, Why Are Millennials Turning to Astrology? And then another, uh, and that was published in 2018, so just two years ago, less than two years ago. And then another one published also in 2018 uh, by Denise O'Leary, Uh, and this was a paper published in Intellectual Takeout in 2018, as traditionalism declines, superstition, not atheism, is the big winner. And this is exactly what Owen had predicted as a result of uh, the increase in sexual freedom being uh, allowed in society. And... um, It's interesting, uh, the uh, commentator uh, Kirk Dirksen um, writes, and he has a little heading in his his piece commenting on Olman's work, Um, the swiftness with which rational thinking declined after the 1970s is astounding. In its place arose postmodernism, characterised by scepticism, subjectivism and relativism, and the general suspicion of reason. And this is amazing. Again, exactly what um, Olwen uh, predicted. And and it's interesting, Those um, that observation is reported in the Encyclopedia Britannica under, if you do a search on postmodernism, that's what it says that after the 1970s, when we had this beginning rise in sexual liberation, it's characterised by um, scepticism, subjectivism and relativism and a general suspicion of reason. But then um, Dirksen goes further. He says, but it gets worse. Postmodernism is giving way to post-truth. And what did Jesus say? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And it's interesting that one of the consequences of the uh, sexual revolution is in a um, direct contrast to rational thinking. Post-truth cultures abandon shared objective standards for truth. So in other words, this makes it very difficult in this area to be a scientist. I thought it was absolutely fascinating that here we have scientific evidence from the studies of culture showing that the biblical position What God revealed to us uh, for humans to behave uh, in sexual restraint before marriage and absolute monogamy after marriage leads to the most flourishing of cultures and the greatest overall long-term happiness uh, and well-being in society. Um, Remember, of course, if you want to re-listen to this program, just uh, Google 3ABN Australia or one word, and click on the Listen button. I encourage you to, if you're interested in this area, certainly have a look at um, the amazing book, Sex and Culture, by J.D. Irwin. You've been listening to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Have a great day.